Tin Man in Washington. WSB's Jamie Dupree. He's on every day with Herman Kane. 1106 AM every day. Sponsored by Charter Communications on News 955 and AM 750. WSB. We are Do you have any belief that you stand a chance to win this nomination, let alone the presidency? Most of the people that are in elective office in Washington, D.C. have held public office before. How's that working for you? Herman Cain, Solutions for a Better America. This is your host, Herman Cain. Thank you for joining us because you know we're going to tell you the truth. We're going to give you the facts because we want you to be better informed and inspired to help make this a better America. Breaking news, breaking news every day with Herman Cain and the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Hello, Jamie. Hey, Herman, how you doing? Magnificent. So what is the process for IRS workers to get fired <laughs> when they are willfully detected as violating the law? Yeah, it's, uh, I wrote about this on my blog at jamiedupree.com, and I think when people read it, they'll just shake their head. Because it, if you work for the IRS and you willfully try not to pay your taxes, I'm talking like you underreport your income, uh, you take tax breaks or tax credits you're not, you don't deserve. You know, you're trying not to pay the full freight to Uncle Sam. You're supposed to be fired. You're supposed to be terminated. But a review by internal investigators found uh, of about 1,600 cases over the last 10 years of IRS workers who were determined to have willfully non-complied with, uh, with their tax bill, that 61% of those employees were not fired that they stayed on their job and what more within a year many of them after having after being given uh, spared the death penalty basically by the irs commissioner they were given bonuses awards and other uh, employee benefits why weren't they fired well all of these things it's sort of like the reason i said uh, uh, um, uh spared the death penalty it's sort of like in in a state where you you have prisoners on death row and you get to the end before an execution and the governor can can spare somebody's life and you know invoke clemency each one of these cases goes ultimately to the irs commissioner and that person is then able to say no 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 there's some mitigating circumstances here this person won't be fired so those 61% all had to be signed off on by various IRS commissioners over the years. And so if you're looking for anybody to ask, what were you doing, that's where it goes. And so that would be IRS commissioners both appointed by Democrats and Republicans over the last 10 years. From 2004 to 2013 was when this review was done. What they found, investigators, uh, was this, that one guy would say, do something like somebody else did, and yet their punishments were different. One person would be fired, one person wouldn't. So the IRS uh, sort of acknowledged in their reply to this investigation that, yes, they've got to come up with some better, even-handed rules. But in the end, there's no explanation that's given for why somebody was not fired. And the uh, and this internal in inspector general probe uh, didn't really uh, flesh out any of those reasons. Well, that's an insult to the American. Let, let's just say it's another insult to the American people. Well, and I think what, what's the one thing that uh, most people would want to think? happens, that they are treated the same way yes. as an IRS worker would be. Yes. And in this case, you look at it, and 
you know, part of the rule is if you willfully try to avoid your taxes and you're an IRS worker, you are supposed to be fired. And in 61% of the cases, that did not happen. Well, this is why I'm a big proponent, as you know, of replacing the tax code. And you may have uh, heard that uh, Senator Perdue, along with another senator, introduced the fair tax. And you've heard talk about the fair tax for a long, long for time. For a long, 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 long time. It's never time. been voted on. It's never been voted on. Okay, let me ask you this, uh, uh, Jamie. Um, what do you think it's going to take to get it moving this time versus years and years and years of introducing it and it just sit there? Well, uh, you're going to have to find a super important person, most likely within the Republican Party, to be its supporter. And it can't just be sort of an average backbench lawmaker. It's got to be somebody with a lot of clout. And that's the only way. I mean, again, I've said this time and time again. I don't understand why both parties... Well, I do understand, but I don't understand why both parties are so hands-off when it comes to tax reform, because I think it's a great populist issue that can, could then be used as a way to make dramatic changes in the tax code and in government itself. But everybody is fearful of going down that road. We haven't had major tax reform since 1986, so we're getting to 29 years ago this summer that we had that last tax reform. There have been people out there with the flat tax, with the fair tax, all kinds of ideas. Right. And it doesn't matter whether it's been Democrats are in charge of the Congress or Republicans in charge of the Congress. None of it's ever been voted on. Never. Well, maybe it's... Maybe the timing is right for us to raise some cane, no <laughs> well, pun intended. I would, I would say, again, <laughs> it, it will take not only the leadership of somebody in the Congress, but yep. also in the executive branch as well. Because you and I both know if a president stood up and really said, it's time for tax reform, and laid a plan on the table, we'd move. Yeah. But, but members of, you know, uh, George W. Bush did a big review and it just went up on the shelf and went nowhere. Right. You know, there's been all kinds of ideas issued by the Obama administration, but they certainly haven't been received well by either party up here. So uh, I guess it's just going to take somebody else who's really going to make it a big, big deal and uh, and try to go forward from there. I got you. Now. The U.S. Appeals Court has found that the government's bulk collection of phone records exceeded what is allowed. Can you elaborate on that yeah, a little bit? Yeah, the second, uh, second uh, Circuit Appeals Court, three-judge panel, ruled today unanimously against the collection of the bulk phone records, the metadata, by the National Security Agency. Remember, this, was, uh, this came to light from Edward Snowden and all the revelations from the stuff he stole from the CIA. It's really the first major ruling against the NSA phone program. But what's interesting, I was just reading the ruling, and if, if you want to find a link to it, I, I, I put a link to it up on my Twitter account, at Jamie Dupree. The appeals court says that this phone metadata program by the NSA, which uses a provision of the Patriot Act to sort of back itself up, that they say, look, the Congress never voted for this. They never authorized this specific plan because most lawmakers never even knew about it. But at the same time, the judges did not take the extra step and say that the collection of these records violates, say, the First and or Fourth Amendments. So they didn't go as far as to rule it unconstitutional. They just said there's really no legal underpinning for it. And the court refused to institute a preliminary injunction to force an end to this collection of this data, leaving that up to the Congress. Now, one reason is in the next few weeks, this program, the authorization for it, runs out, and the Congress is going to have to figure out what to do with that as they take some votes on the Patriot Act and related to some of the provisions that expire in the next few weeks. It may well be that there just aren't the votes to uh, renew that authority for the National Security Agency, but we'll have to see. Well, some believe that you can plug the hole in it, which is 
require a court order before they can go in and ask for people's records. Right now, they don't have to get a court order. Some people believe that that would plug the hole that's in the current Patriot Act. Yeah, and you've got some interesting divisions up here. For example, Senator McConnell, the majority leader in the Senate, basically wants to renew things as is. Uh, there's a number of Republicans led mainly by Senator Rand Paul who would like to stop that, and they don't want that kind of renewal. And then uh, there's a bill that could be up for a vote as soon as next week in the House of Representatives that would change and alter that program as well. So I think that while this is a big ruling, Herman, I think it's going to shake out in the Congress over the next few weeks before Memorial Day. Let's talk about this trans-Pacific uh, trade thing that Obama is pushing. Republicans are divided on it. Many of the Democratic leaders are against it. Does it boil down to uh, Obama and some Republicans wanting to basically give a bone to its big business supporters, whereas the Democrats are pushing back against it because they're on the side of the unions. How do you see this thing? Yeah, I think it's, it's not just some Republicans. I think most Republicans are ready to vote for this, though there is a big effort to uh, undercut it by making some arguments about immigration and some other things, and we've seen uh, some in the GOP a very high profile come out against it. But I, I think right now most Republicans would probably vote for it, or not as many Democrats. And, you know, I, look, the, the, the GOP leadership, I think, would argue that this is trade. This is opening up new markets. This is only going to bring in more money and, and more jobs overall, though there are the worries about if you cut these deals, will you lose jobs at home? You know, we've heard those uh, arguments, and they, they don't come exclusively just from Democrats. Right. One thing that has some Republicans worried is that what you're doing is you're you're voting to give the administration the authorization to negotiate these deals, and then the Congress could not change them at all. It'd just be a straight up or down vote on it. I think in, by next week in the, in the House and the Senate, I think Republicans are really going to try to put the screws down to get this done. But, yeah, there are some within the party who aren't thrilled about it uh, for a variety of reasons, but I just sort of wonder if there's going to be enough votes, and we'll look back on it and think, huh, that wasn't that close. We'll see. What about uh, Hillary Clinton's email server? you got a State Department official saying she should not have done that. Yeah, it was interesting. It was a hearing that was going on uh, just about the time we were talking yesterday, and I went back, and uh, and, and I had uh, been rolling on a recording, it, and after we got off the air, went back and listened. It was really interesting because you had... Uh, several Republicans with this was a Freedom of Information Act official from the State Department and they said well what if you had an employee at the State Department who didn't want to use their work email and they set up their own server and of course this woman knew exactly what uh, the Republican senators were asking about and then they got into the basics of it and she just up and up said this would uh, this would not be acceptable because you would not be preserving the records as you're supposed to be preserving the records as did not happen while Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State state. Uh, you know, in the end, is it uh, is it going to ruin everything for Hillary Clinton? I, I'm not so sure. I mean, there was an interesting poll that came out today from Iowa, from Quinnipiac University, that showed Hillary Clinton still the overwhelming lead in Iowa. And one thing the pollster said about this is that the Iowa voters, uh, the Democrats, are as loyal as the day is long when it comes to Hillary Clinton, as they said that there's just no evidence at all that all the criticism about whether it's her email or the Clinton Foundation has moved the ball in a negative way at all in the state of Iowa for Hillary Clinton. So we'll see. We're, there's obviously going to be more questions about it. At some point, there'll be uh, Clinton will be up here for a hearing. 
But the political change, you know, I'm not so sure. It may well be, Herman, uh, this is like a uh, an old election in North Carolina for U.S. Senate involving Jesse Helms. When I used to say you'd start off at about 47-all or 48-all, and you just fight over the last few percent. Was that person you talked about from the State Department by the name of Joyce Barr? Yeah. Okay, because Senator John Corrin was questioning her about this on yesterday. Ms. Barr, did either you or Undersecretary for Management Patrick Kennedy know that uh, Secretary Clinton was operating exclusively on a personal and private email server? I have no um, information on that, sir. I was not aware of that. Not looking good for Hillary. Again, though, uh, you know... The embarrassment level is there. It gives the Republicans an easy attack. But so far, I don't see it hurting her amongst Democrats and amongst uh, primary voters or caucus voters in Iowa and other states. But we'll see. We'll see. Thanks a lot, Jamie. See you, Herman. You're listening to the Herman Cain Show. He won't stop shining a bright light on the IRS, the disgrace at the VA, and waste and abuse by big government. Herman Cain is on with solutions for a better America. The fair tax is back. Coming up, rapid fire, 877-310-2100. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.